Before we open up God's word in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, let's bow in prayer one more time and ask for God's wisdom as we search the scriptures. Our Heavenly Father, this morning as we continue to talk about this important topic of prayer and we narrow it down or put, it, put a spotlight on the aspect of fasting, prayer and fasting, Lord, would you give us understanding as to what the scriptures teach on this important spiritual discipline? Lord, if this is not a part of our daily lives, would you stir our hearts to not just understand what your word says about it, not just believe what your word says about it, but to practice and obey what your word says. God, I ask that you would do great and mighty things through this month of prayer as we set aside time to cry out to you, to cry out for revival, to cry out for wisdom as to how we can reach our community for Christ, cry out for disciples, and for us to fulfill the great commission both here and abroad. Teach us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's message is Praying in Hunger. And I wonder what you think of when you think of fasting. If it's uh, uh, this um, scary idea that's out there that, that just does not feel relevant to you today. Maybe it's something that um, seems like it was Old Testament, just way out there, not something for me today as a New Testament Christian, but that was old school stuff. Maybe you think of fasting and as a Protestant, you think, ah, that sounds really Catholic, sounds like some Catholic things I've heard. That's, Probably not for me. Or maybe you link it with other false religions such as Buddhism or, or Islam and their month of fasting during Ramadan. Uh, maybe it's, it's an ignorance of scriptures that causes us to stay away from fasting. Or maybe, and this is where maybe it could get a little convicting in this discussion, maybe it's just good old-fashioned gluttony and we like our food too much. And that's why we just kind of set that on the back burner and focus on the things that, that we're much more comfortable with focusing in on. But none of us ever do that with the scriptures, so that's probably not us. In this, in this passage here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, of course, preaching his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've read the Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know that he hits a whole variety of topics. He talks about... Um, persecution, and giving, and anxiety, and divorce, and marriage, and prayer. I mean, you name it. Jesus hits on this, on the topic during this sermon. But in the middle of these topics, after, right after talking about prayer and forgiveness, he turns and addresses fasting. And so we're just going to read these three verses in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. Jesus says, when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we certainly won't say everything there is to be said on fasting this morning, but I want to just address right at the outset a few things that fasting is not, what fasting is not. First of all, 
It's not a chance to impress other believers. Believe it or not, but some, some Christians have an innate desire for others to be impressed by their great spirituality. We like people to see when we're doing good things, whether it's giving our tithes. You know, sometimes in our church here, because we have the boxes on the back wall, it's not so obvious. You know, when you, in the church I grew up in, we passed a plate, and you could make a bit of a show, so at least the people in your row could see, you know, you start counting bills and throw them one by one in the plate, and kind of looking around, seeing if people notice. Uh, you know, there are other ways that we as believers do things so that others will, will pay attention and pat us on the back. I know I've told this story before, but I, uh, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, something along those lines, I was at a church Wednesday night prayer meeting, and it was a pretty small group. I think I was the only kid in the, in the group that night, and I was a, I was a fantastic legalist uh, in training. I was an up-and-coming up Pharisee at that point in my life, and I was literally sitting as people were, what we were supposed to do that night as we were going around the circle, and everybody was sharing things that they were thankful for. And I was literally, this is to let you know how my mind was working at the time, and unfortunately still works sometimes, is I was thinking, what could I say that will get the most amens out of the grown-ups? I, I was really thinking that. I was not thinking about what I was really thankful for. I was like, how can I most get oohs and ahs out of these people? And so when it came to me, I had the perfect one as a little 10 or 11-year-old kid. In my most Pharisaic voice, I said, I am thankful for my parents' discipline. And I got all kinds of oohs and odds and people patting my mom on the back. I hated my parents' discipline. I was a kid. I didn't understand that when I got spanked, they, they were doing it to, to teach me and to train me. I just, I, I knew I hated it. And yet, I wanted to put on a show outwardly to gain the approval of others. When we fast in such a way so that others will be impressed with us. You make sure you schedule it on a day you know you have, a, you have a lunch meeting with somebody from church. Wow, you go ahead and eat. I'm not eating today. And then on and on, you get to let people know how spiritual you are. It's not a chance to impress. Jesus said, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces. And, and the Pharisees had a chance to, um, I mean, they, they, they took a good thing and they had distorted it and made it in a, into a way to impress people. They fasted twice a week, the Pharisees, Mondays and Thursdays. And originally, when you were in mourning in, in the Old Testament as part of the culture, you would put on sackcloth and ashes as an outward expression of what was going on in your heart. And the Pharisees began to do, do away with the heart part and just the sackcloth and ashes part. So there was not a, a heart of mourning or contrition or desire to be close to God, but they would make sure that their, their demeanor and the things that they wore that day let everyone know that, wow, that guy, he's fasting today. That's the second time this week. Wow, he's so spiritual. We don't do it to impress others. In fact, that reminds us that anything in our Christian life should be done under the glory of God, not for man. The second thing I wanted to say that fasting is not is that it's not magic. It's not a way to manipulate God. All right, God, if I make this tremendous sacrifice and I abstain for, from food for a whole 24 hours, then you're going to do this, right? It's not that. It's not being able to manipulate God. 
And then we'll talk about more of this at the end, but fasting is not one size fits all. We'll talk about um, some different opportunities. Maybe you physically can't uh, go without a meal for a day. I'm not talking about like, I mean, come on. Most of us can go without a meal for a day, but there may be your medical reasons why you can't do this because of blood sugar or whatever. And so there are other ways that we can fast to express our devotion to God. Fasting is not one size fits all. We'll talk about that. So then what is fasting? What is fasting? I wrote in your notes that it's the voluntary absence of food for spiritual purposes. That's the, just the simplest, most straightforward definition I could find. It's the voluntary abstinence of food, and we're going to say other or other things, for spiritual purposes. Um, in the Old Testament, there were, pres- there, there were only, there's actually only one prescribed fast. It was the Day of Atonement. All the other fasting in the Old Testament was voluntary. It was between them and the Lord. But on the Day of Atonement, the whole nation was supposed to uh, fast from, fruit, from food till uh, sun, uh, sun, the, the setting of the sun until it, it was up again. 24 hours of devotion to God, abstaining from food and only, uh, only water. And most fasts in the Bible were like that. Now, you can read there are a couple of supernatural fasts where, um, with uh, Moses and then again with Elijah where they did 40 days without food or water. We know that our, the human body can only last a few days without water, right? So those were instances of supernatural fasts. Like God had to be involved in somehow supernaturally nourishing and sustaining their bodies. But most fasts in the Old Testament were, were 24 hours or even just from um, the, the time the sun came up to the time the sun set that night. And it was a chance for them to devote themselves to God in prayer. Typically, they, they still drank water, and they were able to focus on God. There are a few instances of fast where the, the person abstained from both food and drink for a period of time. Uh, one writer says, although it wasn't a legal requirement except for one instance, fasting had become in Jesus' day a prerequ- prerequisite of religious commitment, a sign of atonement of sin and humiliation and penance before God and a general aid to prayer. The rabbis often referred to fasting as an affliction of the soul, thereby designating it as a characteristic and a sacrificial act of piety. So that leads me to the question, why in the world should should we fast? Why does the Bible talk about it? What's the big deal about it? I'm going to share with you five reasons that we should fast. This isn't all-encompassing. The scripture says more than this. A couple of them we'll find in our text right here in Matthew chapter 6. And a couple of them, I'll, I'll put some other scriptures on the screen. The first reason that we should fast is because Jesus commands it. He does so uh, by, by assuming that we're doing it. And look at verse 16 in Matthew 6. He says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He assumes that his followers are going to be fasting. He does it again in verse 17. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Jesus expects his followers to be fasting. You know, when, when, we, when we hear the words of Christ, we must obey. When, when Jesus expects something of us, he's going to empower us to do it. And it's not up to us whether we feel like it or not, but we must listen and obey. He says, when you fast, Jesus is assuming that believers are bringing this important spiritual discipline into their life. The second reason we fast is to express a longing for God. I've struggled 
with fasting because I like food a whole bunch. I'll just be honest with you. I love to eat. And when I hit that like 20 minutes of not food in the morning, like my, my tummy starts to rumble. And it's, it's hard to go without meals, especially if you like to eat food, especially if you tend to maybe eat a little bit too much of it. And that, that rumble in my stomach reminds me, oh, my body needs nourishment. But you know, if our hearts are tuned in to the words of Jesus, maybe we'll remember that Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, by the words that, that proceed from my mouth. You see, when our, when our appetites cry out, we're reminded in those moments just how much we desperately need God. Fasting is a reminder of verses like David as he cries out, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. When we get alone with God and we, we step away from the dinner table for a day or two or maybe more, those appetites draw us closer to God. We're reminded just how desperately, moment by moment, day by day, we need Jesus. He talks about, in John 15, about the vine and abiding in the vine and the importance of staying connected to Him. Those moments of, of physical hunger, we're reminded just how desperately we need to be connected to the vine to receive our sustenance and our strength from Him. One writer says we ache and yearn and fast to know more and more of all God has for us in Jesus, but only because He has already laid hold of us and is drawing us ever forward and upward into all the fullness of God. Fasting expresses a longing and a need for Him. Fasting is also a perfect time for repentance, for repentance. Throughout the Bible, fasting often accompanied a time of mourning for sin, of brokenness. You know, as God's Spirit convicts you and I of sin, maybe there are times when we need to fast in order to cry out to Him and confess that sin to Him. To, to meditate on what that sin cost Jesus, the gravity of that sin. To fast in gratitude for forgiveness for that sin. This happened in Jonah's day. You remember Jonah, the reluctant preacher to the Ninevites. Finally, after God tracked him down, got a hold of his heart, preached the gospel, and it says in Jonah 3, 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. There's a direct correlation between their contrition, their fasting and prayer, and God hearing their request not to punish them. They turned out and cried for forgiveness, and they received it. Fasting can be a time where we step back in response to the Spirit's conviction over sin to call out on God to come 
near Phillips Brooks said in an 1881 sermon, he said, this then is the philosophy of fasting. It expresses repentance and it uncovers the life to God. Come down my pride, stand back my passions for I am wicked and I wait for God to bless me. We dare not ignore the, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Fasting is a great time to set aside and to pray and call out on him. We also fast, number four, to seek the will of God. To seek the will of God. James chapter two tells, James chapter one tells us that if any of you need wisdom, let him ask for it. How, how often we just try to figure things out on our own and God promises if we go talk to him, we request wisdom, he will give it. And one of the ways that we can really set aside a longer, more extended period of praying for God's direction and wisdom is by fasting at the same time. That's what the early Christians did in Acts chapter 13. When they were trying to figure out their next move as far as getting the gospel out, look at what they did. It says, now we're in the, they were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, many of a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So there's a, there's a small group gathered together. This is Acts chapter 13. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Notice what was going on. They were gathering together, first of all. So there was more than one person. They were doing this as a group. Part of the reason we're encouraging you to pray with other believers. And they were, they were worshiping God and they were in the midst of fasting. And while they were doing that, that's when the Spirit of God spoke to them. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So God spoke in the midst of their fasting. And then, look, but they still went back to the drawing table and they prayed and fasted some more. In verse 3, then after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they got the answer, hey, I want you to send out Paul and Barnabas. And then they wanted to pray and fast some more, maybe for where to send them, the, the particular maybe provision to, to you know, money and resources to send them with. But, but they didn't stop. Once they got one answer, then they had some more questions. So they went back to praying and fasting and, and they got further direction and then they sent them out. You know, there are a lot of times we as Christians come up with our plans and our ideas and, and pastors are guilty for this and you know, want to do this or that. And, and we don't take time to cry out to God for his spirit to lead us. We, we chart our own course as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to take time to pray and fast to seek the will of God. And then finally, I want to add in this list. We fast because God rewards it. We fast because God rewards it. In verse 18, um, he says, and we're back in Matthew 6. That's in the middle of a sentence. Go verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What a great promise. When you fast, God promises, Jesus says, He will reward you. He doesn't specify what that's going to look like. But perhaps it will be a direct answer to your prayer, like the Ninevites who received forgiveness when they called on to God. 
But maybe it will be the experience of drawing near to God in a day of worship, in a day of humility and reflection upon who He is and upon His Word and upon the good news of the Gospel. God will reward it. it, it it's, not, uh, it's not wasted. When you take time to incorporate this spiritual discipline in your life, God promises a reward. I don't know about you, but I, I, I do enjoy rewards. It, it motivates you, right? God promises here rewards when you choose to fast so that it can be seen by Him and not others. Maybe you're asking, okay, I see it's biblical. I can see some benefits to it. How do I get started? How do I fast? I want to just um, throw out a couple of really practical pointers. The first thing I want to say is um, there's a handout as you leave on, the, on one of the round tables. By each, we have one by each of the entrances. If you've never fasted before, or if you have a lot of questions about it, I found an article that I, I think has some just really good, succinct answers. Make sure you grab a copy of that on your way out today. Uh, the, uh, the second thing I'd like to add is that um, start small. Don't feel like, I mean, I don't know if, if you're like this, but you know, you, you sometimes get convicted about something. The gym is a great example. Like, like oh, I gotta go back to work out at the gym. And, you're like, you come up, you got this big, you haven't been to the gym in like 23 years, and you come up with this, this seven-day workout program, and you're going to do like three hours of lifting, an hour of cardio, and you're like, let's go for it. And you know how it is. You make it in the front door, and you see somebody you know, and you're like, well, you know, we talked for quite a while. I probably can't work out today. I'll, I'll try to get in tomorrow. Then tomorrow, you sleep in. But Wednesday, you come back, and you go in, and you're like, holy cow, this really stinks. Now, I know I haven't been here in 23 years, and by Thursday, you're like, forget it. Let's not do that with fasting. If you've never fasted, start, start off small. Maybe just skip one meal that day. Just skip one meal. Skip your, use your lunch hour to just pray and fast. Um, pick something that, that you know is near and dear to your heart. Because what, what fasting does is it sets aside the pleasures of earth so that we can focus solely on Jesus Christ. And in our culture, we can think of all kinds of things that fit into that category. Food is the most common. I mean, that's what people do in the Bible. But it's not wrong to find other things. So maybe as you think about fasting, maybe you recognize, you know what, there's something that's really got a hold of my life that is uh, <clears throat> kind of borderline an idol in my heart. And I need to set this aside today so that I can focus on Jesus Christ. In our culture, a couple easy ones involve television, Social media, our phones. I mean, those are just, that's just scratching the tip of the iceberg. What is it that you need to set aside in your life so that you could spend a day devoted to God? Two days, three days, a week. Maybe God's calling you during this month to set aside something the, the, the entire month. One thing we've done, and it's in your bulletin, is we've set aside one day a week where I'd like to encourage all of us to fast together as a church. It's Wednesdays. Uh, beginning this Wednesday, I'd like us to to fast together. If you're physically able to do it, from dinner time on Thursday after your, your evening meal on, no, I'm sorry, after your evening meal on Tuesday to your evening meal on Wednesday. So 24 hours from evening Tuesday to evening Wednesday. And as we pray and fast, the, the, the prayer guides out back have some things to just pray for together as we join together in a time of fasting and calling upon God 
I'm trusting God to do great things. But maybe you think you can't fast a whole 24 hours from food. That's okay. That article out there has some great other ideas uh, and, and some steps to take. We want to fast and pray, my brothers and sisters. We must pray. We must cry out to God. We, we need Him. So let us pray and let us fast together for the kingdom of God. Let us pray and fast with humble hearts and spirits of repentance. Let us fast and pray for revival. Let's fast and pray for our children, both young and old, that they might love Jesus more. Let's fast and pray for those long ensnared in the bondage of sin. Let's fast and pray that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let us fast and pray for the nations, for the millions and millions and millions who are without Jesus. Let us fast and pray for our marriages. Let us fast and pray for our lost neighbors. And let us also fast and pray for the return of our King. When Jesus was here on the earth, he said in response to the disciples of John who wondered why Jesus' disciples didn't fast, he said, listen, Matthew 9, 15, the guests of the bridegroom don't mourn while he's with them. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. We long to see our Savior. It's a great story at the beginning of Luke. When Mary and Joseph came to present Jesus in the temple and they found a couple of individuals there who'd been waiting for the return of the Lord. I think I've got the scripture up here. But in Luke chapter 2, Simeon was one of those men. And they met Simeon. It says, this man was righteous and devout and was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit of the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. He, the answer to his hopes had come. The long-awaited Messiah was finally there. After they met Simeon, they met another elderly woman named Anna. And in Luke chapter, uh, just a few verses down, in verse 36, it tells us that she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow now until she was 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She, like Simeon, waited for the Messiah. They longed to see the Savior. They longed to know that salvation had dawned. And she got to see the baby Jesus. And she gave thanks to God. And she began to tell everyone who was waiting in the temple about the Messiah who had come. 
As we fast and pray, we too now are longing not for the first coming of the King, but for the return of the King. We fast and pray because we want to see Jesus. We, we need Jesus. We long for him to return. I was reading Romans chapter 8 this week. And I just was reminded how much, like not just God's people, but the Bible says all of creation longs for his coming. Paul said in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We look at the world around us and we see the heartache and we see the pain and we see sorrow and suffering. We just long for Jesus to come back and make all things right. We see parents who've lost their children. We see many turn their back on Jesus Christ. We face persecution. We see sickness and disease and famine, long winters and suffering, unimaginable. Long. All of creation groans. Redemption. My brothers and sisters, let us fast and pray. And we fast and pray because we need Jesus. We need him daily, and we long for him to return. The scripture teaches that when he does return, we get to break the fast and share a meal with him. Jesus shared this meal with his disciples in the upper room the night before he was betrayed. We can read about it at the end of Matthew, chapter 26. It says, Jesus took bread, and after he broke it, he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, listen to his words, this is for us. I will not drink it again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There's a sense in which our Savior is fasting even now until he welcomes his children home. And he can partake in this meal with us. Today, we have the privilege of being able to remember Jesus' death his act of sacrifice by celebrating communion. If you've never celebrated communion with us, we're glad you're here. We want to invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, 
to, to have communion today. We don't require you to be a member or anything like that. If you, um, if you haven't had it here before, you know, just a moment here after we have a time of prayer, uh, our worship team will come up and have another song, that, song they'd like to share with you. Just come on up out of your seats. We'll have several folks here kind of spread out throughout the front. front. Uh, just hop in a line, break off a piece of bread and dip it into the juice. If you prefer to have an individual communion cup or some gluten-free uh, bread, we've got that right here at the center center's station. If you're physically unable to come up out of your seat and come to the front, just slip up your hand and uh, one of our servers will make their way back to you so that you can get a chance to have communion with us. What I'd like us to do now is just have a moment of quiet reflection and prayer. This is a chance for you to, to talk to God. Maybe God's been speaking to you about the need to bring fasting into your prayer life. We, we, we want everybody in our church to join us this month in, in a time of prayer. But I hope you'll join us Wednesday. Can do it Wednesday. Any day's fine. I hope you'll join us this week in a day of fasting as we set aside some special time to pray. Make sure you grab a prayer guide on the way out. As we celebrate communion today, I want to just encourage you to let that be on your mind. As you reflect on Jesus' first coming, where he shed his blood for our sin, may we fast and pray for his second coming when he will make all things right and bring us into his glorious presence. Let's just take a few moments so that you can talk quietly in your heart to the Lord. Scripture that, that prayer and fasting should be a regular part of our life. Prayer daily tells us to pray without ceasing. And fasting is you lead us and guide us. May we listen to your voice. May we take time to abstain from food so that we can cry out to you that our physical hunger would draw our hearts and minds to a hunger for you. And Lord, if during the course of this, this time of prayer, today and days and weeks ahead, you convict us of other idols in our life, things which have, have grabbed a hold of our hearts, may we take time to fast from those things as well to, to be able to draw close to you. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to know you more. Let this church church of prayer. In Jesus' name.